Hey kids, Mandy here, and I wanted to personally invite you to join me for Cincinnati Song Initiative's first ever Fellowship of the Song, happening May 20th through 25th. In addition to a week full of amazing concerts, song workshops, and classes, I'll be leading some seriously fun study events on heartwarming topics such as murder ballads and exploring death through music and poetry. Should be a great time! (laughs) You can participate as an auditor, whether you come to Cincinnati in person or join remotely from your comfiest couch. And the best part is that all the week's events will be recorded for unlimited viewing through June 26th. So, what are you waiting for? Head to cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash audit to learn more about this groundbreaking new program for song. And I hope to see you in person or online. I unfortunately had to pre-crack my Spindrift can. I was really hoping to do it on the show, but I needed to be able to um, doctor up this pineapple Spindrift with some vodka. So You realize it's Monday morning Anything at for 9, the cause. 9.45 a.m. Yes. It's also a holiday today. So well, it is. That's like true. I'm literally going to the beach to play Frisbee after this. But don't I you think that the alcohol interferes with your athletic performance? No, it inspires greatness. Welcome to Follow the Leader with me, your host, Mandy Madrid Sikic. If you are a fan of the podcast, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Sounder, Stitcher, Spotify, all the usual podcasty places. And remember, if you like what we are doing on the podcast, tell your friends. And if you don't, then tell your enemies, because as I like to say, any publicity is good publicity. Okay, nerds, if you want to enter our giveaway, this is your last chance. I am giving away a copy of Ian Bostrich's book, Schubert's Winter Journey. Uh, It's actually a source I've used lots for this podcast series, um, and I just highly recommend. It's, It's a really cool read. All you have to do is write a review for the podcast and send a screenshot of your review to follow the leader podcast at gmail.com. The winner will be announced in our very next episode. So if uh, you don't want to miss out on your chance to win this awesome book, then you better get on that. Here today to discuss songs number 9 and 10 from Schubert's Winterreise is ya boy Brian Sickett. Once again, bestowing the people with insight to leader that only he can give. (laughs) It's deep. It's dark. It's <laughs> what the people want. You know, it was really fun to have Deborah here last week to talk about the it. The Deborah? The Deborah. Um, you know, because she was here at the very beginning and, yeah. and she was kind of the one who helped inspire. On this very couch, yet in a different house. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We started this podcast sitting on this sofa, Deborah and I. Yeah together and uh so that was really cool to have her perspective back um and yeah so oh yeah i was supposed to listen to that episode did you not no i watched um the ricky gervais show afterlife it's so good you will cry you will laugh you will it's so good literally i've never cried more in a show and like i had never have i gotten more perspective on life like have i wanted Mm -hmm. to live my life Mm -hmm. differently or more fuller because of a show it's crazy i'm really glad for that insight that you have however (laughs) that helps us doesn't help us today not at all today okay so um maybe then i should just do like a brief recap uh in order for you to catch up with what we discussed love it 
um, on the traveler's journey in our last episode. So the last song gave us an experience of memory within a memory, Inception style. Did you put this uh, recap paragraph in here because you knew I wouldn't listen to it? No, I always have a little recap. Oh, right. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, you know me so well. Thanks <laughs> like, for how did you paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> he remembers leaving town in such a hurried state that he hits his foot on every rock on his way out of town. And he perceived crows to be throwing snow at him from every rooftop. But we, the audience, realize maybe it wasn't as bad as all of that. That maybe his memory isn't exactly accurate and that he's remembering it to be worse than it actually was. Within this memory of leaving town, he remembers even further back to when he first came to town and how different things were. Birds were singing, water was flowing, and that's when he saw the two maiden eyes that were his undoing. He pulls himself out of that reverie and comments that sometimes he does wish he could go back and quietly stand before her house. He would like to, but he does not. So that was the last song. Let us now move on to song number nine. Brian, I'm going to hand you a picture. And by hand you a picture, I mean I'm going to text it to you. Waiting. I'm going to turn my notification on. So <laughs> <laughs> that was too good. That's your text tone for me. Mm -hmm. It is a lake at, we'll say, twilight. And there's some sort of a neon flash of an image. But I don't know what that flash is. So you don't know what that little lighty thing is? I mean, it could be like, it could be, it's big because it's in the reflection. Like the reflection mm -hmm. is big too. So it could be like a, a boat with a bunch of glow sticks in it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it yeah, is. Yeah, that's probably it. Okay. I was going to say it could be like a lightning bug or something, but it can't be because it's so far away. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to send you another picture. Maybe you can describe this one. Okay. Now we're in like a misty forest at night and there's what looks to be like little, there's at least four little light sources. Some are further away. Some are closer. The main one that I'm looking at kind of looks like like the end of like a blue flame or a torch it does look exactly uh, like a blue flame in the distance so that kind of looks like a person holding two of the flames i could be wrong though okay how about this final one tell me what you see in this picture <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> okay so now we're looking at what looks to be like a redwood tree next to a stream in daylight and you can see a path and some grass and the sun's kind of filtering through. It's shady and sunny in certain spots. But then you see, it almost looks like, yeah, above the water, out beyond the tree, like ab above above the river, kind of like a gaseous, the same same blue light. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just, it's less of like an orb now. Now it has like a really strong center spot and then kind of like a fall off, like almost mm. like some smoke coming off of it. Mm -hmm. But still very concentrated to that light. It, it Yeah. Is so it, is it a ghost? <laughs> I'm a ghost. <laughs> Any ideas what you're seeing in those three pictures? No, I mean, is it is it supernatural or is it someone doing light painting? <laughs> well, allow me to read you a poem, and maybe this will cast some light upon these pictures. Hit me. I'm going to read this poem by Madison Julius Cawain. There in the calamus he stands with frog-webbed feet 
and bat-winged hands. His glowworm garb glints goblin-wise, and elfishly and elfishly above the gleam of owlet eyes, a death's moth cap of downy dyes nods out at me, nods out at me. Now in the reeds his face looks white, as witch down on a witch's night. Now through the dark old haunted mill, so eerily, so eerily, he flits, and with a whippoorwill, mouth calls and seems to syllable, come follow me, come follow me. Now o'er the sluggish stream he wends, a slim light at his finger ends. The spotted spawn, the toad hath clomb, slips oozily, slips oozily. His easy footsteps seem to come, like bubble gaspings of the scum, now near to me, now near to me. There by the stagnant pool he stands, a foxfire lamp in flickering hands. The weeds are slimy to the tread, and mockingly and mockingly, with slanted eyes and eldritch head, he leans above a face long dead. The face of me, the face of me. Ooh. Any ideas what could possibly be going on? <laughs> it seems, I, I feel like what we're seeing is not supernatural, and I feel like it's going to be a thing that people saw and perceived to be it to be something okay, else. Does okay, that make okay. sense? Yes, yeah, so let me drop some science on you. Are yeah. you ready for some yeah. science? Give, give me some knowledge. <laughs> okay. Give me some Monday morning knowledge. So, song number nine from Schubert's Winterreise, the song we're talking about first today, is called Irlicht which translates as will-o'-the-wisp. Now, a will-o'-the-wisp is a natural phenomenon, and I am about to shed light upon this phenomenon before you now. Give me all the knowledge. <laughs> so, a will-o'-the-wisp is actually a natural phenomenon that occurs when phosphine and methane rise up, typically over a marsh or a bog. The gases combine and then ignite, producing a blue flame. Those are my words exactly. Blue flame. <laughs> yeah, they were. Often, the gases are produced by decaying matter. Lots of times, it happens over shallow graves, and it is particularly prevalent during the summer months, you know, like when the heat works up those gases and juices real nice. <laughs> so it's like, a, it's like a graveyard burp. Of sorts, or a bog burp, or a marsh burp. That's a great way of putting it, actually. <laughs> and then and then someone lights the burp. So, no. It the, just happens. It just spontaneously yeah. combusts because of the combination. Because of science. Because, because of science. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because of the combination of those gases. Do you have, after like mm -hmm. discovering this, do you have a desire to see it in person now? For sure. I would love to see it in sort person. Sort of like a Northern Lights... After I tell you a little bit more about it, we'll, we'll watch a video of it. Because it, it really is otherworldly looking. Like, if you did not know what it was, it would freak you the fuck out mm -hmm. for sure. I would be like, <gasps> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> this phenomenon has been recorded since the early Middle Ages. William Folk wrote about it in 1563 in his book, A Goodly Gallery, William Folk's Book of Meteors. He wrote, and I quote, there is also a kind of light. It is seen in the night season and seemeth to go before men or to follow them, leading them out of their way onto waters and other dangerous places. 
This impression seen on the land is called in Latin ignus fatus, foolish fire, that hurteth not, but only feareth fools. Fatus is missing an R. It needs to be ignus fartus because <laughs> it's a blue flame. Does anyone else know blue flame? Because people can make blue flames too. Oh, you mean like with their That is called blue flaming is when you let your farts on fire. Ugh. So I'm just saying it, it doesn't. And this is a great example <laughs> of what Brian Sickich brings to the Here's table. Here's what I bring. <laughs> I bring depth. Perspective we knew not that we needed. <laughs> but like if you say blue flame to most junior oh. high and high school kids, that's, really? that's exactly what their mind goes to. I did to. not know. I did not know that. Yep. But again, I was homeschooled, so... I mean, I was homeschooled and I still knew that. So. Okay, well. No excuses. Congratulations. Do you want a sticker? <laughs> um, so these lights have stirred the imagination of countless people groups due to their wily nature. Often, when a person moves towards the flame, the flame disappears. Mm. The explanation is that as a person moves towards it, the air stirs and extinguishes the flame. Because of this, the phenomenon is also inextricably linked with the leading astray of weary travelers into Myers. These travelers, perhaps lured by the hope that someone or something was just ahead, were often never heard from again. And if you think about it, that makes sense because these flames typically occur over marshes, you know, places where these gases would, like, as you said, kind of like, burping up from the ground, right? Um, places where the, the ground is not so solid. I mean, I, it's my understanding that it can happen everywhere, anywhere where this fl- this kind of gas No, but it's going to be like a bog or a marsh or a place where, where the air can kind of it's, move towards the surface. Yes, it's yeah. most commonly found in these <clears throat> places. So uh, the light was taken to be a lantern or a torch carried by a mischievous spirit as mm-hmm. is indeed reflected in the name Will-o'-the-Wisp itself which has an etymology of William of the Wisp of Lighted Hay. The man of the lantern was said to play tricks on people. Wait, so this goes into like jack-o'-lantern, like this goes into all the Halloween traditions and all that, right? So jack-o'-lantern is one of the names for it. For Mm -hmm. Will of the Wisp. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Crazy. I know, so crazy. Uh, there are lots of other cool names, actually, and we can uh, take turns reading some of those uh, right now if you want. You I'll want? go first. Ignis yeah. Fartus. <laughs> Ignis Fartus, yes. And then the next one is, I like to say this with an accent, Billy with a wisp. <laughs> it's spelled that way. Billy with comma to comma wisp. <laughs> I'd love to say uh, to I, hear... It's apostrophe, actually. I'd love to hear um, one of the guys from... Peaky Blinders say that. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. Uh, you're next. Oh, Babalongs. Uh, oh, and this is my favorite. Corpse Candle. That's a great nickname right? for someone. <laughs> for someone. You're just a corpse candle. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'll remember that next time. You're up next. I said Corpse Candle. No, I said Corpse Candle. <laughs> Dang it. But then I said it again, so that, that's why I thought I did. The Lantern Man. Jack-o'-lantern. Elf fire. Fetch candles. Foolish fire. Friar rush with a lantern. Friar's lanthorn. I think that's pronounced lanthorn. I, I dig it. Yeah. Friar's lanthorn. Okay. Hinky punk. Hobbledy's ho- Hobbledy's lantern. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Hobbledy's lantern. Uh, Jenny burnt tail. Joan in the wad. Kit in the candlestick. 
Merry dancers. And nimble men. These are fantastic. Aren't these awesome names? It's like slang from, I don't know, hundreds of years ago. My question is, if someone said Ignis Fatus, like, would they actually, like, how common was it for people to know that it existed? Does that make sense? I think in whatever region you're in, whatever they called it, it was a known phenomenon. Gotcha. If it happened, so... Like, so, I've so, never so heard you of say, this happening in California. Right. That's why I'd never heard of it before. Right. We but just don't have it. there are places, like, I know that there's a very common place in Massachusetts where it happens a lot. Uh, and it happens all over the world, actually. I wish I had known. I would have driven there. <laughs> I also saw my first lightning bugs in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, because you were just there. So, probably most pertinent to us is actually the German word. And the German word is made up of two words, as German likes to do. <laughs> uh, it's made up of the word light, licht. And the word for insane, ira. And don't hate me for my not German R's. <laughs> They're not supposed to be rolled so much. It's like a little bit more old fashioned, but it's a real tragedy in my life that I can't do like <laughs> the real German R. So ira, um, if you put those two together, uh, you have the lovely smashy word, insane light, irlicht, which makes sense because it moves like irrationally, right? Yeah. An irrationally moving light. That's kind of how I think of it. Throughout the ages, this light was seen to be a bit mischievous in some cultures and downright malevolent in others. In the context of German literature, Goethe's Faust exerted some influence in how people perceive of this wispy little guy. In Faust, there's um, a teensy little speaking role for the Irrlicht, and because of its role in leading people to the Walpurgisnacht, the witch's Sabbath, the Irrlicht came to be seen as a more sinister phenomenon. Um, here, let me show you a video, and I'll actually put a link to this video in the show notes because you guys got to see this. It's really cool. If you've never seen one before, you don't know what it is, you, you really have to see it. Wow. That's terrible quality. Isn't that crazy? I feel like it's too windy for it to just be there. It does sound kind of windy, but there it is. Is this the only one you found? Uh, there's some other ones, but I thought it was like one of the best examples that looks like the pictures I showed you. Oh. And I like how this one moves because it, it really gives you a good visual for yeah. what we're going to be hearing in this song. I'm just shocked that. that I'm just shocked that like it hasn't been captured by, you know, planet Earth or like, you know, any of those I mean, high quality, like they know it exists now. So how has it not been captured? Maybe it has. In like a 4K. Maybe it has and I just somehow haven't. Or maybe it's so elusive that it's impossible to capture. Yeah, Hence why be. this guy got it with his phone and was just breathing heavily into it. This one is uh, in South America, somewhere in South America. And actually, I think um, in South America, they consider it more malevolent, like it's an evil kind of thing. Mm. Uh, oh, and actually, I think one of the funny things about this is people have, um, in the in modern times, mistaken it for UFOs. Yes. Right? 100%. If you could, like, if you did not know what that was, and all of a sudden you see that in your bog. You're like, freaking out. Yeah, I would absolutely be freaking out. It's probably a good time to read uh, Müller's text for Ehrlicht, the ninth song of Schubert's Winterreise, because that is what we are here to talk about today. So, I will now read you my translation. Irlicht, will o' the wisp. Into the deepest rocky chasms, a will o' the wisp lured me. How I will find an exit lies not heavy on my mind. 
I am used to going astray. Yes, every way leads to one goal. Our joys, our sorrows, all is a will-o'-the-wisps game. Through the mountain streams, dry gullies, I wind myself calmly downward. Every stream will the sea win, every sorrow also a grave. It's nice and creepy. It is very, creepy. Very sinister. Yeah. Very like moody. It is. I love the phrase, every stream will the sea win. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. It is. It is. Because I, it's so true. I love this poem. I love this song. I'm like really excited to be talking about this one today. You know... It seems our man of noble character is back, right? He's so matter-of-fact about it all. He's been lured in to this place, and he's not worrying about it. He comments that he's used to going astray. All joys, all sorrows, it's just a game. Just as every stream ultimately leads to the sea, so does every sorrow lead to a grave. He's fairly blasé about it. He's nonchalant. But precisely because he says that he doesn't care i'm wondering are we meant to think that actually he does care and as you'll see with schubert's setting there might be a little bit more under the surface like where does this put him where and when mm -hmm. that's a really good question and there's an interesting discussion here because the ehrlich the will of the wisp it could be the wily light of his maytime romance right which lured him in during the warm summer months of love? Or is the Ehrlich his own exploration of isolation and depression? Is he allowing himself to be lured into a place of rocky chasms in search of supreme solitude and isolation? Which of those lights has he followed? Some, there's been an argument for both ways. You know, some people say, okay, this is another little timeline issue. Since, you know, these will-o'-the-wisps typically happen during summer months, maybe he's... What, why are you smiling? No, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, though, it feels like he, um, somehow he had uh, a copy, he had a copy of the book, The Art of Not Giving a Fuck, because he read it, because the last chapter is <laughs> about, like, not, like, not obsessing over death. Or not, you know, he's like, how will I find an exit? Uh, it lies not heavy on my mind. And he like, okay, well, you read that chapter. Yeah. <laughs> it does, it does yeah. sound a little bit like you read that book for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, as we get into a little bit more, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that question. Um, but it is an interesting thing to, to think about as, as we go through each of these musical examples. I think a, a case could be made either way. It just kind of depends on, on how you see it. Um, and we'll get into my opinion a little bit later. The song is made up of mostly two-bar phrases that seem to move forward and backward in alternation, almost as if a representation of what following an actual Irlicht would be like. The piano introduction is short and straight to the point. There is a thickness to the air while at the same time showing us there is perhaps something mischievous afoot. You can hear the Ehrlicht in the yum bum 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 bum. I can't sing right now. As the voice begins, we hear that we are descending into the Felsengrunde, the rocky chasms. In the tiefsten Felsengrunde. 
and we are immediately told that a coy little will-o'-the-wisp lured us in there. You can hear its capricious character in the triplets of the piano. Lockte mich ein Irrlicht hin. I can see it kind of creating almost like a phantom hand with a finger that beckons him in and then disappears. It's it's interesting to me that it it's calling him into the deepest rocky chasms and not like a marsh or a bog or like any of the typical places that you would find those. Does that make sense? Yeah. That is a really good point. I think it's partially because it's just the concept of right. the Will of the Wisp. Right. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm sure like, that there are canyons and right, there and are places where, that where these gases can happen. Yeah. I think that it's just most common over the marsh right. and the bog. I think it's the concept, though, that this thing is just playing around and you try to follow it and it disappears mm. and it has this you know mysterious energy wrapped around it where people follow these things and then they're just lost forever they're yeah. gone they never return yeah. um and so, i think so he's it's, playing on that concept yeah i think it's more about the concept mm. instead of the like geological the realness. literal science yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think <laughs> sure uh, geological realness sounds like a, a category for a RuPaul <laughs> runway. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say geological realness was on like Jeopardy. Oh, no. Jeopardy category. <laughs> That's also a good category for that. He explains that the fact that he does not know how to find an exit, it does not weigh heavily on him. Or does it? Schubert actually repeats this line to a different effect. So the first time he says that it lies not heavily on him, we believe him. <laughs> I almost feel like you can hear a musical shrug in there like mm, I, I don't really I'm not worried about that but then the second time maybe not so much So he says it again with the effect that maybe he's actually wondering if he does perhaps care more than he's letting on or that he's almost trying to convince himself that he doesn't care. And then immediately after this, we hear the piano representing the little Ehrlich again, perhaps luring the traveler further in. He is stalwart as he says that he is used to going astray. And it's funny that he feels so firmly rooted and sure of himself, though he's literally saying that he's used to not being on the right path. He's, he's so sure of himself that he's not sure. I, I think that's a funny concept. And that sounds like this. I think that's kind of the way to win life, you know? <laughs> I'm here, I'm there, or maybe I'm somewhere else entirely, but doesn't matter because every path leads to the same exact place. Which is the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the sea. <laughs> 
After all, he says, everything, our joys, our sorrows, it's just an Ehrlichts game. And this dancing figuration in the voice sounds like the Ehrlicht toying with us, leading us on in a little game. Now here's something interesting. The traveler says he calmly winds himself down the mountain's dry gullies. A couple things stand out to me here. In the last song, he was not calm at all. Remember, he was saying how he basically struck his foot on every stone. He was so hurriedly rushing out of town. Now it's the exact opposite. He seems to have somehow gathered his wits about him again. He doesn't even know the way, but he knows that all streams lead to the sea and every sorrow leads to a grave. And this is why I take the view that the Ehrlich he is following is this very journey into isolation. I think it doesn't really bother me, as we kind of talked about before, that the will of the wisps usually occur during the, the warm summer months. I think he's using this figuratively. And it's the best description for how he feels about the journey, yeah. weather, season, location be damned. Also, isn't this like the first song that doesn't talk about snow or water or like anything like that? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because that's, first of all, why I was really excited because we have brand new material today. We've not seen anything <laughs> like this before. No snow, no ice heart melting. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But also it's the first time he really is talking about when he says trocknerinnen, he, where he actually talks about something being dry. Previously, when he had talked about, you know, water flowing, which was, we were supposed to associate that, you know, with the time of love blossoming and all that. When the water stopped moving before, it was because it had frozen. Here, uh, it's dry. These stream beds are like dry and he's winding himself down um, their actual dryness. So whether the love has dried up or I'm not sure what other emotional concepts his caring has dried up his opportunities for social interaction I, I don't I think it's interesting this this concept of of the stream bed being dry because it's the first time he mentions that um, before I play it for you I want to point out that this is another case where the music looks and sounds like what it's talking about it's dual purposed here though which is even doubly cooler doubly cooler doubly cooler I buy it. because it sounds like the streams that lead to the ocean but it also sounds and looks like the will-o'-the-wisps movement remember that little guy we saw bouncing around in the video <laughs> yeah the musical representation is in the vocal part here Jeder Strom So that's like the winding of these dry stream beds. And I think it's also the movement of the will of the wisp. And if you look at it, down there. Jeder Strom. See where it says that? Mm -hmm. You can see how it, yeah, looks like, again, the winding of a stream bed. Yeah. Me meandering. Yeah, or that movement of, it's a little bit chaotic, right? It's kind of like all over the place. It's here, it's there, it's... Just, just like that bouncy little wispy guy we saw in the video. 
And then the piano closes everything down with another little flourish, but I'll save that for the full performance, which we are ready for now, unless you have any questions. Here to sing Ulicht from Schubert's Winterreise is Dr. Tyler Reese. Felsengründer lockte mich ein Irrlicht hin, wie ich einen Ausgang finde, liegt nicht schwer mehr in dem Sinn, liegt nicht schwer mir in dem Sinn. We know this is a, a natural phenomenon. I mean, we, the modern listener now, we know it's a natural phenomenon, but somehow it has this otherworldly sense about it. Yes, I agree. I think it's very, it, it almost has like a spookiness to it, like a, like a haunting, yeah. like a, um, which is a different tone than all of the other songs that are a little more like angsty or sorrow yeah. or lament or whatever. This one gets a little more like, I, I think there are moments where he's very, and you can hear the tone shift where he gets very like matter of a fact mm -hmm. and he's just like, nope, this is how it is. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, I'm, this is not something that's occupying my mind right now, yeah. but then he also gets back into the, yeah, it, it's kind of this fun little, like a give and take between him and the, and the 
the, the blue flame. Yeah, yeah. The Eilish, yeah. I also like how in the introduction it just starts out with these this unison these unison notes an octave apart and we can almost hear like the cavern the echoing of the cavern or something these these ca- chasms that he's found himself wandered into i can almost hear yeah the hollowness of them mm-hmm. all right so that was song number 9 time to move on to the next song of the day what do you think happens next? What what would you wish for our guy on the on this journey? I I honestly don't know. I mean, I know that there's still going to be maybe maybe he shifts more into a little bit of um like self mourning again. Maybe maybe he gets a little more bummed out now. I doubt that he's going to get super stoked and hopeful. <laughs> you know, like he's not going back to the girl. That's for sure. That's for sure. Let's find out what happens by reading a translation of the poem. Now I first notice how tired I am as I lay myself to rest. Ah, nap time. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) The walking kept me cheerful on the inhospitable road. The feet asked not for rest. It was too cold to stand. The back felt no burden. The storm helped blow me forwards. In a charcoal burner's narrow house have I found shelter. But my limbs rest not, so burn their wounds. Also you, my heart, in struggle and storm, so wild and so daring. You feel in this stillness your worm, with hot sting it stirs. So finally, a goddamn nap, right? (laughs) Yeah, and then it goes on to like a a body analysis. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, he gets to lay back, put his feet up, but here's the thing, in the stillness, within this little safe haven, he realizes that the pain within is just as great, if not greater, than the pain from without. So when he's moving, when he's being tortured by the elements, it just kind of, yeah, it blinds him to the actual pain I think so. it's kind of like hot yoga you know when you go into hot yoga and you can think of nothing else other than surviving <laughs> you're like okay i need to make it through this pose it's like, almost like a high it's almost like a, a weird out-of-body experience well it is because it so focuses you and i think that that's basically what was happening on his journey he was he just he had to stay so committed and so um yeah he was just so focused on on the next step forward that he didn't realize that this little thing was kind of niggling, niggling at his heart a bit. The worm. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get right to the music for this one. In the introduction, the piano shows us how physically exhausted he is. Once again, we hear footsteps. But whereas in the last song, they were hectic and frazzled. In this one, they are very bedraggled. He's got a limp. Yeah, yeah he does. He's, he is struggle bussing. He's totally got a limp. 
remember how we've been poked and prodded throughout the journey by lots of offbeat accents or accents that don't happen on strong beats. Well, here they are again. And I think it's a manifestation of the physical toll that this journey is taking on him. And they're nearly omnipresent throughout this entire song. We're feeling those kind of pokes in uncomfortable places. And it's not like a left to interpretation sort of a thing with, with some of the other offbeat accents, right? This one's like... I mean, I think we're it's pretty clear here we're meant to hear footsteps mm. and that it's it's also obvious where the accents are that like oh that's not where that's supposed to yeah. be you know the voice begins and he says how he did not notice until he laid down to rest that he was tired but we can plainly hear your boy needs a nap <laughs> <laughs> so again maybe he's not quite in touch with reality again perhaps he's so quote-unquote cheerful out on the road because he's so occupied with the journey that it distracts him from the misery he feels taking over when he stops and experiences stillness as he says all this it's clear that the footsteps in the background are continuing Das Wandern hielt mich munter hin auf unwirtbarem Wege. So the title of the song, I don't think I said it before, the title of this poem is Rast, which translates as rest. So it's interesting that it's a walking song, right? That Schubert set this as a, a walking song. And to me, this could be like, you know when you've spent a day on roller coasters or on a boat and at night you're back at home and you're your comfy little bed and you can feel you can still feel like you're on the roller it's coaster like the vertigo of it yeah. Or, yeah or like you're still on the boat you feel like you're rocking and i think that that's what he's experiencing here that yes he's laid down but he's been walking for such a long time and he's been so determined in it that he almost still feels as if he's walking his body still has that rhythm yeah i think so also the paradox of these words being set to music that seems to continue moving forward it feels like he's not really getting the rest that he so desperately needs but remember this has been a cycle of paradoxes right fire ice motion stillness panic nobility cheerfulness pain so i think this honestly keeps us on brand <laughs> for sure he says the road is inhospitable and we hear music that foreshadows a later moment in the cycle, a moment in Das Wirt's house when he says that even the grave will be inhospitable to him. You can, you can hear the piano writing changes and it sounds like this. Keep that figuration in your mind because we will return to it later. It's the same exact style of writing that Schubert uses for Das Wirt's House. And that's just exactly the kind of Easter egg I love to find in this kind of music. I just, I live for it. <laughs> and yet, while the road is inhospitable, his back feels no burden because the wind helps to blow him forward. To show this gusty storm blowing him forward, Schubert sets us up for an explosive contrast of dynamics. Fühlst in der Stille ist deinen Wurm Mit heitem Stich sich regen 
an interlude, which is basically just the piano introduction again. And I think when we hear it the second time, he sounds even more tired. Even after all that talk of how fine he was out on the road. (laughs) It's in Schubert's second verse, which is Mueller's third, actually. Schubert combined four verses into two. So it's in Schubert's second that we find out that it's a charcoal burner's hut in which our traveler has found respite. This is significant because charcoal burners lived on the edge of society, usually leading austere and lonely lives. They had to always see that the coal was burning. Do you know what a charcoal burner is? Like, (laughs) what is he doing with all that charcoal? (laughs) I mean, is it like a kiln of sorts? Like a a really high temp um, (laughs) dealing, melting down stuff? Wow, you know some things. Well, I mean, if he's burning charcoal, that means he's dealing with high temps. And the only reason he's dealing with high temps is if he's like an iron worker. How do you like know? I See, I literally had no concept about that before I like started researching what a charcoal burner Why is. else would you burn charcoal? Uh, allow, allow me to enlighten you. But you, you knew more about this from the start than I did. Uh, since medieval times, high temperatures have been needed to work with iron, glass, and precious metals, mm. right? So coal burns much hotter than wood, but in order to produce coal, entire forests often had to be felled, right? So you would burn this wood to make the charcoal. Hashtag global warming. Hashtag global warming. So hence this coal burner's hut being out in the wilderness because he had to be out like where all the trees were, where he could keep, where he right. would have enough stuff. Right, trees to make the coal, then the coal to make the hot temps. To, right, yeah. so this guy here specifically, he's making the coal. He's not doing any of the work like melting down precious oh, metals and he's, all that. Oh, he's manufacturing coal. Right, so this is a kiln to make charcoal. The process of making coal took about six to eight days a time during which the burner had to control the draft by piercing small holes and then resealing them, being careful neither to allow the pile to go out or to let it go up in flames. So he would observe the smoke that was coming out of the kiln and the burner would assess the state of the carbonization process. If the smoke was really thick and gray, the wood was still raw. If it was thin and blue, (gasps) blue, blue flames. Blue flames. Oh my gosh, there's a theme. Um, if it was blue, then blue smoke, then it indicated good carbonization. So keeping the kiln at the right temperature in all weathers meant that this job must have been really arduous and lonely and often quite dangerous. And actually, in my research, I found that A.A. Milne, you know, the guy who wrote Winnie the Pooh, Mm -hmm. uh, he wrote a poem about a charcoal burner and it's uh, in his Now We Are Six book. I'm going to read it to you because it's kind of cute. Uh, This is The Charcoal Burner by A.A. Milne. The charcoal burner has tales to tell. He lives in the forest, alone in the forest. Here, I'll let you see the pictures. Mm. He sits in the forest, alone in the forest. And the sun comes slanting between the trees, and rabbits come up, and they give him good morning. And rabbits come up and say, beautiful morning. And the moon swings clear of the tall black trees, and owls fly over and wish him good night quietly over to wish him good night and he sits and thinks of the things they know he and the forest alone together the springs that come and the summers that go autumn dew on bracken and heather the drip of the forest beneath the snow all the things they have seen 
all the things they have heard. An April sky swept clean in the song of a bird. Oh, the charcoal burner has tales to tell, and he lives in the forest and knows us well. Isn't that nice? Very nice. I mean, maybe a little romanticized version of Very. the true nature of yeah. the charcoal burner's life. Very delightful. But I think it does get, right, his proximity and reliance on the forest, right? So during the Middle Ages, charcoal burner's profession was often considered dishonorable, and they were often accused of evil practices. And even in the modern day, there's like a certain kind of denigration around this uh, this former hmm. occupation. In the German language, uh, to have a charcoal burner's faith, a cooler glauben is to have a blind faith in something. So uh, it seems very fitting that our traveler would be in a place such as this, right? You're going to be out in the wilderness in a place that's very lonely. But it's interesting that we don't hear any mention of the charcoal burner himself. He seems irrelevant. But being located in his hut tells us everything we need to know about the state of our traveler. He's lonely and ostracized. And just as the coal burner would have had to struggle through storms to keep the coal burning, the traveler says he also feels the burning or the stinging of the worm that eats at his heart. A process that continues perpetually, come what may, whether he's resting or walking, burning or freezing, the emotional worm of torment is always at work. Let's go ahead and take a listen. What do you say? Let's do it. But before we listen, I just wanted to read this little snippet by Graham Johnson because I, I just think it's, it's really great. Whereas his retreat into fantasy can make the traveler oblivious to the cold, this release from reality is bought at a cost. Also nurtured by his unbalanced mind are the stirrings of the stinging serpent buried in his heart. If madness gives the traveler a noble stoicism, it also feeds the monsters waiting to consume him from within. <laughs> okay, here we go. Es kühles Ende. 
Haus hab, ob doch ich gefunden. Doch meine Glieder ruhen nicht aus, so brennen ihre Wunden. Auch du, mein Herz in Kampf und Sturm, so wild und so verwegen, fühlst in der Stille deinen Wurm. Mit heißem Stich sich regen, fühlst in der Stille Deinen Wurm mit heißem Stich sich regen. I love that one so much. It's so much fun to play. And any time you're going to be talking about a worm. Worm. <laughs> worm. I just, I think it's a really cool imagery. Um, also, it was funny because this time I had never really thought about this before. But as I was listening this time, <laughs> I was thinking that um, this little worm that he's talking about, like the realization that it's kind of there, like eating away at his heart it reminds me a little bit of um like when you're on mdma <laughs> you can feel the serotonin like kind of like going away and then all of a sudden you realize oh wait <laughs> i have some anxiety yes <laughs> it's like you can feel black threads creeping back in where you realize oh yeah wait i'm, I'm not normally always okay <laughs> It reminded me of that this time, listening to it. Kind of like winding it way through. As a person who lives with constant anxiety, I um, I really appreciate the imagery of the, of the worm constantly eating at his heart. Here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Is that the definition of like a heartworm? Like that's I don't what he's think talking it, no, about, No, no, right? no. It's not a physical worm eating him. It's just an emotional worm. I think it's a metaphor. Yeah, it's a, it's a metaphor for something that's, yeah constantly like eating at him stinging from the or eating or yeah. burning away at his heart. It's, it's a metaphor for his emotional pain. Mm. And it's an effective one. There's there's also a line um, I think of whenever I, I hear this one too um, from Dichterliebe actually. It's in Ich Grolle Nicht where he talks about a serpent that mm. feasts upon um, that feasts upon the heart. And uh, I don't know just the Germans had something with this imagery, man. I, I haven't come across like that particular imagery in a poetry of another language. Maybe I just haven't read enough other poetry, but this imagery of like a worm or a snake kind of, they, they both have the same kind of effect to them, I, I think. Mm. Um, it's very, um, it's kind of horrifying. It, it instantly gives you the heebie-jeebies. Yes, yes, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, like, like you, you feel it in your in your bowels almost. You're like, Ugh. 
yeah, like, you hear the line and you're like, oh, this is not right. So very effective uh, in, yeah, like you said, yeah. nailing, the, nailing the point home. Yeah, well, well done, Mueller, and well done, Schubert. Well, I think that wraps things up for us today. Thanks for being here, Brian. I know that was kind of a long episode. <laughs> hey, I'm <laughs> here for it. descended further and further I'm on now, the sofa. <laughs> I'm now horizontal. <laughs> I love it. Um, remember, listeners, if you just can't get enough Winterreise in your life, then you might want to try singing Irlicht or Rost with me. You can find me on YouTube as Mandy Madrid Sikich. Click on the Winterreise playlist and start singing. Remember that Follow the Leader can be found in all the usual podcast places. And please, if you like what you hear, leave a review. It is truly the best way that you can support the podcast and our work here. Follow the Leader is a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. You can learn more about their network of podcasts at cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at leadernerd. That's at L-I-E-D-E-R-N-E-R-D. See you later, nerds! Nerds! Fühlst in der Stille ist deinen Wurm. Mit heißem Stich sich regen. Fühlst in der Stille ist deinen Wurm. Mit heißem Stich sich regen. To show this gusty storm blowing him forward, Schubert sets us up. Huh? Yeah, that makes sense. To show this gusty storm blowing him forward, Schubert sets... Sets us? Sets... What does this sentence say? To show... Wait, wait, I got... What? <laughs> Schubert... Sets us up with sets an explosion. Sets us up, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. To show this gusty storm blowing him forward, Schubert sets up for us. Good night. <laughs> Malfunctioning. Beep-boop, beep-boop. If you love this podcast, then you'll love the Song Cycle podcast, also by Cincinnati Song Initiative. Song Cycle introduces the coolest and awesomest leaders of the song world today and dives into getting to know them and their unique stories where they think song in the 21st century is headed, and lots of other great topics. If you're looking for your next source of inspiration as you continue on your own musical journey as a song lover, look no further than Song Cycle with me, your host, Sam Martin. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join the conversation.